you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Surely the presence of the Lord is in the house tonight. We sense and feel His presence in such a powerful way. We're so honored tonight to bring our guest to this pulpit. He has been a friend of ours for some time. I first met him at Indiana Bible College about 16, 17, 18 years ago. It's been a while. And uh, married to a young lady that I was privileged to work in the office at Calvary Tabernacle with, Sister Mandy, such a tremendous person. And we have grown to love Brother and Sister Brown. Brother Brown pastors in Rock Island, Illinois, where he founded a church and has grown and is now moving into a building project. He also serves as the Illinois District Youth President and has been serving their district very well for several years. And we're honored tonight to have him with us tonight and also glad to have Brother Perry with him uh, visiting with us tonight. We're so honored that he would take the time to pause and be with us tonight. I want you to give him a great big Frankfurt welcome, if you would, as he comes to preach to us. We love you, Brother Brown. Preach your heart to us. Well, why don't we clap our hands to the Lord, everybody. Why don't you give him the very best you can right now? By lifting your voice as you clap your hands, let's worship him. Hallelujah. Father, you're worthy. You are excellent and mighty. There is none to compare to you. You deserve all the glory, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. That is our customary greeting, is it not? I mean, you could be in Walmart. You see a brother and sister... Praise the Lord. Oh, we're in Walmart. <laughs> Sometimes you could get in the habit of that, and it could be dangerous as a minister. I try to be very conscientious to not open a funeral and say, Praise the Lord, everybody. You get some strange stares. Appreciate Brother and Sister Jordan, Pastor Jordan. And I know what you were thinking when he said that. Uh, he remembers meeting me about 16, 17, 18 years ago at Indiana Bible College. And most of you were thinking, Brother Brown can't be over 19 years old. He looks so young. Not anymore. <laughs> In fact, they're kicking me out of youth ministries. I am too old. Speaking of youth ministries, good to see my friends, the Tapia family. 
Jacob Toppy and I uh, serve together on Illinois Youth Ministries Committee and their children here. Uh, love and appreciate them and their friendship. And it's just good to be here. You know, to be honest, I, I came just to look at your building. <laughs> we, about eight months ago, bought seven acres, eight acres of land. And uh, we've never owned property, so we finally own ourselves some dirt. And uh, we're pretty excited about that, but also a little intimidated at the idea of building. Uh, we are a congregation that is 16 years old, and I've never built anything except a skate ramp when I was 13. And that fell apart. <laughs> but... Uh, you guys have a beautiful place here. You guys have a beautiful place here. You really do. And I just, I am so impressed with the detail and the attention that has been spent, obviously, on so many pieces and parts of this building. And what I perhaps appreciate the most about this building or about this land and your future is that this isn't the end of it. That, that was kind of one of the overwhelming thoughts that hit me the other day. We've been there for 16 years. In fact, this past weekend was, was my 16-year anniversary being there in Rock Island. And, um, and all that while, we've been going from from a rented house to a storefront to a storefront to a storefront. Now we're meeting in a Nazarene church. And so it's always been like the next place, the next, uh, the next lot. And the idea of having property is almost a little scary because, you know, once we get there, it's not like we're looking for the next location. But I have seen just in speaking with Pastor Dylan and how you could have a location but have continued expanding vision for what the church can continue to become. This is not the end. And I, I'm so inspired by that. Of course, I'm sure that at the same time there's people in this room thinking, we're exhausted, we just built this building, let's not talk about building anymore. But how many knows that the kingdom of God is truly, it's expanding, it's advancing, and it is the most exciting time to be a part of the body of Christ is right now. Sister Carrie, it's great to see you. We, we had a blast on an AYC trip not that long ago. Let's turn in our Bibles. I won't keep you standing much longer, but let's stand for the reading of the word Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. I truly do wish that my better half was with me, and that is not... Uh, somehow shaded humility. I promise you she is the better half of the two of us. I love my wife. I love her much more now than I did 15 years ago, seven years ago, last year. Uh, our, it is true, love can grow deeper. And uh, my appreciation for, for her is just, it's, it's growing every day. I'm thankful, I thank God every day for a woman that loves the Lord more than she loves me. And uh, we have two wonderful children, Jonathan, who is turning 13 in a week, 
and Sophia, who's 10, but she thinks that she's already 16. Hebrews 11, verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, perhaps a more familiar portion of scripture. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Has anyone ever heard or read that scripture before? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I feel very led of the Lord tonight to preach, to teach. However this comes out, I am a pastor. I don't know anything else but pastoring. Um, and I will be very conscientious that this is not the congregation I serve. But I do feel led of the Lord to bring to you this word. Please God. Please God. Why don't you lay your Bibles and devices down? Why don't you one more time lift up your hands together with me and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for all that you've done. Thank you for this hour, this time that we have together. We're believing that we are not, Lord, in some exercise of futility where we are wasting time to simply ease our conscience, but we so desire, Lord, to bring to you an offering of praise and worship and also at the same time hear a word from heaven that will transform and change our lives. Lord, we believe that you are here. Your presence is among us. Your word, let it come forth and speak to our hearts. We give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 Shake hands with somebody before you're seated. Look them in the eyeballs and say, please God. God bless you. you may be seated. Please God. How often are we found with this plea on our lips? Please, God. And it's followed by a list of needs and wants. Or perhaps more vainly, you hear those two words joined together, leaving someone's lips, please, God, in more of disgust or disdain. When said in vain, when they're in a situation that is not pleasing to them, they say, oh, please, God. But of course, this phrase, when used as a plea to the Lord, it is sometimes presumptuously assuming that we have become the center of the universe. We have become convinced that there are no more other matters in all of the known universe, seen and unseen, that are more pressing than my needs or my wants. But my comments this evening are not aimed to enhance our pleading power with our provider, but rather focusing our attention 
on not pleading with God, but pleasing to our God. This character that we happen upon Enoch in Hebrews chapter 11 is a character in Scripture that is shrouded with mystery, yet we find can be helpful in offering to us insight to understanding the element of, somebody say faith, and the role that it plays in our walk with our Creator, this character named Enoch. Jude chapter 1 verse 14 references this character by saying, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these. But really if you want to discover this character, you need to go to where his life is recorded, and that is in Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5 verse 18, the Bible says, And Jared lived in hundred sixty and two years, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 and two years and he died. And no doubt he probably said, thank God. While long life sounds wonderful at the same time, 962 years. Verse 21, and Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And what does the Bible tell us about this character? Enoch walked with God. After he begat Methuselah 300 years, and he begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. Verse 24, it lays a, a scripture before us that is very unfamiliar in its setting because all of the scriptures prior, all of the scriptures thereafter, all end with someone's life being that he was not. For God took him, the Bible says about Enoch. While all the others say that those characters died, the Bible says that Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. This is quite mysterious. That he was walking with God and then was not, for God took him. I like to think of it in kind of an elementary and childish way, I guess, is that Enoch just, he walked with God, was walking home from school perhaps, was walking home from work, from school, and on the way home, usually him and God just kind of part their separate ways. God walks one way and he walks home the rest of the way until the next day. But God on this particular day said, you know what, Enoch, why don't you come home with me? The Bible says simply that he was not. While in Hebrews it says before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So one might say that Enoch was really the first to fit that cliche, lost in translation. He was quite literally lost in translation. This is only recorded of one other character in the Bible. We, we find that Enoch escaped death, which is very interesting to me because the timing of it was just prior to the wrath of God being poured out upon all the earth. That God snatched him from the picture. Sounds vaguely familiar to perhaps the future of the redeemed of the Lord in the last day. 
the other characters, that of Elijah the prophet. In fact, Elijah the prophet who was taken in a fiery chariot of the Lord, the Bible says that 50 men of the sons of the prophet weren't convinced that he was gone forever. In fact, it's very amusing to me. The Bible records that Elisha said, just leave it alone, boys. But they, they wouldn't leave it alone. They said, perhaps the angels of the Lord have taken our father Elijah and they've dropped him off in some hill or some valley. And so the Bible records 50 strong men went and looked for three days if they could find Elijah somehow dropped off by God. But these two characters stand alone in scriptures as individuals who did not see what is appointed unto all men, and that is to die. Now while Genesis only mentions that Enoch walked with God, Hebrews, to me, expounds a little deeper past the superficial or past the physical. And the Bible records in Hebrews that he pleased God. Not referencing his walk with God, but simply characterizing his testimony as though he pleased God. So we could come to this conclusion that whatever the phrase means about Enoch's relationship with God being that he walked with the Lord. Hebrews expounds deeper and says it was pleasing to the Lord. Whatever that means that he walked with God, Hebrews says it was pleasing. It, it was satisfying to the Lord. The Lord delighted in this relationship that he had with Enoch. That phrase, walking with God, is used throughout Old Testament scripture characterizing a godly lifestyle. We find that Noah, who is the grandson of Enoch, the Bible says he was a just man and perfect in his generations. And he walked with God. Abraham, God calls to walk before him and be perfect. And in Genesis 24, Abraham says that he had walked with the Lord. Hezekiah, he pleaded with God and says, remember how I have walked with you in truth and with a perfect heart. In Psalms 116 verse 9, the psalmist says, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And Micah goes on, the prophet says, what does the Lord require of each of us but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. It goes on from the Old Testament to the New Testament in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. It says there's now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who what? Walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. It goes on in Ephesians chapter 4 that we are called to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 10, it says that we ought to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. I'll cut to the chase and just give you the very end of my message now. I believe that God is calling every child, every born-again believer to transition in their mind from being a consumer Christian to being someone who wants to please their Savior. We have arrived to contemporary 
contemporary Christianity being so consumer driven that it's all about pleasing the saint and not pleasing the Savior. But God has not called for us to go on some goose chase, but he simply wants someone to come up alongside of him and walk with him. Let me put it plain to you. I find too many people over the course of my ministry are going off doing what they please and then asking God to bless it. Never mind what his word says. Never mind what his will is for them. Never mind his purpose for their life. They think I'll just do what I want and God is demanding. I'm demanding God to bring his blessing where I'm at. But I found a long time ago that if I just walk with the Lord, if I just walk in his word, if I just find what God has already blessed according to his eternally settled scripture, then I can expect blessing. Oh, somebody say amen. We are to walk, Ephesians 5, 15 says, we are to walk circumspectly. We should walk cautiously. We should walk guardedly. Not, and he puts it plain. He says, not as fools. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be a fool. And then follow it with, bless your heart. Because you know you can say just about anything, right? As long as it's followed with, bless your heart. Walk circumspectly. Stop running in haste into trouble thinking that it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. And while in some areas of life that might be true, I'd rather spend my life not in constant repentance, but in a constant pleasing of my God. 1 John 1 verse 7, it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We'll have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What is meant by this phrase, walking with the Lord? Let me just give you a few things that you might want to jot down. To walk with God implies that he's a living God. He's not a dead God. He's not a stationary God. He's not an abstract idea. To say that one can walk with the Lord, that means he is living. That means he is involved. That means I and he can be together in union. In fact, the second thing that to walk with the Lord implies, it implies harmony. It implies that he's a living God and it implies harmony. Amos chapter 3 verse 3, it says, can two walk together except they be agreed. When my life is characterized by that phrase, that I walk with God, it is implying that we are in agreement. We are not in conflict. We are not in opposition to one another. It is not my will and his will. And he is trying to pull me into the direction of his will and his purpose for my life. But when I walk with the Lord, that means my steps are being ordered by his word. That means his word has become a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That means that I might face persecution, but it's going to be for his name's sake because my paths are righteous. Number three, to walk with God means that I'm keeping his commandments. 
Number four, to walk with God is implying that there is progress, that there is movement, that we are advancing. I am thankful for the times in my life that my life was characterized by me walking with God because I was going somewhere. Now, I might just preach to myself for a moment here, but there has been moments in my life that I will honestly admit before you all that I have walked either backwards, I've slid sideways, I've vacillated from one way to the other, but I'm thankful for those times in my life that there was advancement, there was progress. I got somewhere, I was going somewhere. And every time when you look back over those instances, it was because I was walking with the Lord. I, I, look, I, I, I'm going to break it down here in a little while, but I just I want to connect this, maybe even with a young person, that even now, while you're a teenager, you could learn to walk with the Lord in such a way that you're not the same person at the end of this year as you were on January 1st, that there is advancement, there is progress. Why don't you, why don't you just go ahead and, and wipe the the slate clean and, and, and be done with excuses and, and quit telling yourself I live in this kind of situation and I've got this background and this is how I was raised and these are my disadvantages and these are my failures and inadequacies. Listen, last I checked, it's not by my might and it's not by my power, but it's by his spirit. I've learned a long time ago that in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. God is looking for someone who would rather glory in their infirmities than find out where they could do this or that so that the glory belongs to them. But God said, I will not share my glory with another. No flesh should glory in the presence of the Lord. You can see somebody healed. Somebody say with these hands. You can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You can pray and see strongholds broken down. You can evangelize your city, your job site, and your school. But it's not because of your charisma. It's not because of your wealth. It's not because of your position in humanity's eyes. But it's your posture with the divine creator and savior of mankind. When you walk with him, when you talk with him, Something begins to change where it's not you anymore, but it's him. Somebody say amen. Now, while walking with God implies progress, it also implies rest. And I need to slow down so that this is captured because we live in a busy world. We live in a busy world. Why are we so afraid of being bored? As my 12-year-old would say. I'm bored, Dad. You know what I told him? It's good for you.
disconnect, unplug. I've caught myself becoming an observer in public places where I've seen couples at tables in restaurants looking at their phones the entire time they're there except for when they're taking a bite. Schedules are so demanding. We're going here, we're going there. We got this to do. Learn to walk with the Lord. I can't become so busy that I don't take time to walk with my Savior. I find myself emotionally drained, battling with discouragement, yea, even depression. Mind is filled with anxiety and I'm stressed and distressed. Hope, but there is something to be said about those times when I find a quiet place with my Savior. I open the Word and I just walk with my Lord. The result of me walking with the Lord, and I won't be much longer, just give me a few minutes. The result of walking with the Lord, the Bible says in Genesis that he was not. In Hebrews, it says he was not found. This reminds me of the phrase found on the lips of John the Baptist recorded in John 3.30 when he said, he must increase but I must decrease. The next scene we find John in a prison cell ready to face a beheading judgment and vanish from scripture. But John the Baptist realized that his role had been served and his purpose fulfilled. And so if by any means let him increase, even if it means my decrease. While John the Baptist would fade from stage, it would allow Jesus to take center stage. Can, can I indeed walk with the Lord in such a way and to such a point that there becomes less and less of me to the point that I am not. I am not found. My identity is no more. Oh God! Soul winning is not about me. Winning my city is not about winning people to me. It's about winning people to Jesus Christ. I can't save anyone. I can't heal anyone. I didn't 
take stripes. And even if I did, my stripes could do nothing for lost and dying humanity. But if God be for me, if I could lead people to Jesus Christ, if I could build a bridge with my ministry where people at the end of the day, they don't remember my name, but they are saved by his name, then my job is complete. Get people to Jesus. We are called to get people to Jesus. We are called to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And as Enoch who walked with God and he was not, he was not found, I pray that my life would follow those same steps to the point that if nobody knows It's not about my name. It's not about my reputation. You see, the Lord is in this place. And he could heal bodies and minds and save souls. And it's not entirely because I showed up tonight. Somebody could be filled with the Holy Ghost in the next 10 minutes. And it's not simply because I walked into the room. It's, it's because I've introduced Jesus Christ. It's because we've entertained his presence. It's because we've called down his glory. It's because we worshiped him in spirit and in truth. And the glory of the Lord fills this room. It's because some sincere heart calls and cries out on the name of the Lord like we just sang about. And that is when the glory appears. Let me hasten to a close. The Bible says in verse 6, the scripture that we are more familiar with, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Pleasing God is walking with God. Walking with God, we could perhaps conclude that means and entails reading the word and spending time in prayer and being faithful to church and giving and paying our tithes and giving our offerings. It means fasting. It means sharing the good news. It means testifying. It means studying the word. But keep in context verse 6 with verse 5. If walking with God equates to relationship and my relationship with the Lord that is defined by all of those spiritual disciplines, then keep in mind that I can't walk with Him. I can't please Him. I can't effectively pray, read His Word, fast, give, tithe, share, testify. I can't do that without faith. I could feel the spirit of the Lord in this room. I could hear his voice speaking to CLC, speaking to you all. It's very similar to what we read in Revelation to the churches. I see your works. He says, but without faith, 
I have been guilty of it as much as anybody else of praying elegant prayers and perhaps even powerful, packed, promise-filled. How many other P words I could get out there? Prayers that really I'm not expecting them to be answered. God has been convicting my heart and asking me, do you really believe that you're going to get what you are praying for? Because if we believed that the very actions of God are going to be determined in some way, shape, or form by what's coming out of my mouth and those words, how carefully I would begin to choose them, how carefully I would begin to speak them. My friend, somebody here, you've been reading your word and checking the boxes on your bread chart, but when's the last time you ventured into that word with faith? God is going to meet me here. His word, it's his word. And when I open that book, I'm not reading fables. I'm reading the words of God. Faith. I give that offering. I pay my tithes. But do so in faith that I may give it to men here on earth. But my Lord in heaven receives it into his own hand. Faith. Faith. Woo! Listen, when you sing, listen, when you sing in this sanctuary, as beautiful as it is, and how great the lights and the sound system is, listen, you sing for an audience of. But he's not just anyone. He's the creator. Become my savior. And when I stand with lifted hands and blend my voice with the redeemed of the Lord, I'm singing with faith. He hears my song. He hears my song. He receives my words. Oh, when you're clapping your hands right now, you're not clapping from. Woo! He's here. He's here right now. Oh, hallelujah as we stand together. Without faith, it's impossible to walk with him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is which is the way someone might say in the second person the name, the Old Testament designation of the name of God, which is I am. And when you come to God, you must believe that He... What is that? I am. He is. He is. He is. He is. Listen, your answer, it, it, it's a marvel to me how I see people come through the doors of the church service after service barely dragging their carcass through the door so beaten down by life so beaten down by problems that exist in their home in their finances at the job and they come in the door and they plop themselves down on a seat and they merely exist
exist through a worship service and wait and watch the clock until things are dismissed and walk out still beaten down. And they come. Why do they come? Ease their conscience, put a dollar in the plate. Oh, but my friend, what would happen if this entire room began to filter in through the doors of this building and you've got faith? He is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's me again, Lord. <laughs> I know, I know I haven't missed a service all year long. It's me again. But you know what I'm doing? I'm diligently seeking you. When tomorrow's sun rises on the day and you bow your knee in a quiet home just before things get chaotic in your life and you call on the name of, hey, it's me again. But I challenge you, instead of coming before him crying please God, please God please God I challenge you to come before him and say God I want my life to please you, I want my life to please you, I want the way I treat people and talk to people and think and what I watch and what I do, I want it to oh why don't we filter in around this altar area as we close church family would you come, church family would you come I want to leave you with this thought as we go into a moment of prayer before we're dismissed tonight. Scripture that has been pounding my brains out. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. The Bible says that we ought to come and present our lives a living sacrifice. Listen now. Holy and acceptable unto God. I want you to give that scripture some thought, hot rod. All you cool cats, all you wonderful, precious saints of God, you've been saved so long. Think about this. He's not mandated to accept me. Are we kidding ourselves to think that we could come any old way and give anything we want and he is somehow, he's got to bow to what I offer. We are called to present our lives holy and acceptable to God. That means if God looks down on Cain's offering and says, uh-uh, and Abel's offering and says, uh-huh, he's sovereign. He's holy. And I am called to please him and not the other way around. He was not created for me, but I was created for him. I wonder if a child of God in this room would like to rededicate their heart, their life, and the way they live their life to the Lord, to be lived in such a way that is pleasing to Him, that is acceptable to Him, that honors Him, that glorifies Him. It's not about me, Lord.
it's all about you. I want to offer you an acceptable sacrifice tonight. Come on, they that worship him must, they must worship in spirit and in truth. Come on, tell the Lord, Lord, I surrender myself to you. It's me again. 